They say a family that prays together stays together. But what if you can't even get your family together? We are the Sisters Collective. Three generations. Four sisters. Helping you navigate this crazy world. One family meeting at a time. This podcast is the intersection of education, sisterhood, and the ever-changing dynamics of family. We invite you to pull up a seat and join our family meeting. All right, y'all. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome, Welcome back. back. We're back. back. We are back. <laughs> Sorry, that delayed... Uh... Response. <laughs> I almost sang Welcome Back. Remember the song Welcome Back, Carter? Welcome you that. back. You said that. Welcome back. I don't, so I don't even remember that. It was a show back in the day called Welcome, Welcome Back, Carter. And it was like Neil Carter. Welcome Back. I haven't the faintest idea. I can't quite remember that, but I think it was her. Anyway. Nostalgia. <laughs> yeah. That kind of ties into what we're doing. Black history. Yes. yes. We are finally having us a black history episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Because it's the fourth of and four. Of the sisters, sisters take, take over. over. <laughs> <laughs> it's my day. And no, how fitting for her to do black history facts. <laughs> Why do you think it would be fitting for me? What What about me sw- makes you think that would be me? That I would be the one doing that? I mean, I think as a poet, I think as the individual who's always, you know, like you are, I got my black card revoked, but you are in it. Like I'm saying, like you know and understand our history and our legacy and you want to pour that into other people and... I think I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's amazing. I think for me what it is about is um, part of who I am is Mm. that I ground people in truth. Okay. Mm. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you're in my space, you're going to walk in your truth. Like that's that's a part of that's a part of my makeup. Um, like that made me think about the text message yesterday and I was like oh no this and this and this and this and you're not going to let them and this and this that's a part of that's a part of what I'm assigned to do Mm -hmm. from a from a biblical perspective I do that as a as Mm -hmm. a as a teacher in the church but even as a teacher in the classroom my assignment in the earth is to ground people in truth Mm -hmm. as a teacher and so when it comes to our history I'm passionate about that because that's a part of the disservice that continues to be done to us as a people Absolutely. is that they have denied us access. No, I'm not, I won't say access. They have denied us the truth yes. about who we are. Yes. Our truth. Um, yes. Our truth. Yes. And that's just something that my soul doesn't, does. it doesn't sit well with my soul. So that's a part of what kind of the rebellious nature in me, I will say. I'm very much so um, fist in the air kind of person um mm-hmm. if i were if, if i were someone in the 50s 60s i probably would have been a black man i probably would have been you know a part of the black panthers because i'm one of those that i i want the truth to be told yeah. at any cost the truth has to win out right, right, right not right. just mm-hmm. facts but the truth the facts can be whatever you make them to be mm. but the truth is un- some is an undeniable mm-hmm. um thing and so i think the the fact that as africans in America or enslaved Africans that have been brought to America, we've been denied the basic fundamentals of who we are. That is, we don't know who we are because mm-hmm. that was taken from us. And then you furthermore rob us of the truth of that knowledge mm. because textbooks don't tell, as my one of my poems wrote, textbooks don't tell of your Genesis in Eden. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So. Correct. Um, so that's what we're doing. It's going to be a kind of a, a black history-ish um, segment but i'm gonna throw in obviously some poetry because that is a part of who i am and some historical facts and um so i'm just gonna keep it light but i also want us to make sure that we end 
um, this beautiful month a little yes. bit more with a little bit more information about who we are, a little bit more um, aware, but also appreciative of who we are right now, in spite of what we've had to come. Now I won't even say in spite of, in lieu of, because of what we had to endure, the strength that we possess. You are you are a literal miracle, mm-hmm. right? And so um, we're going to talk about that a little bit. All right, y'all want heart checking? Yeah, yeah we got to check them hearts. Right, check, check them hearts. Them hearts. Yeah. Check them hearts. Who's checking their heart first? Uh, I guess I'll go first. <laughs> um, I don't really. <laughs> um, I am. Hmm. I don't know where I'm at right now. Like, I, I have a lot of positive things going on right now. But also, I'm being very thoughtful. Like, I'm just thinking a lot and trying to process a lot mm-hmm. at the same time. So, my heart is very much in a... Like, we're we're here. Mm-hmm. You know? We're here. We're in this space. Um, we are grateful for the space that we are in right now. But I'm just kind of like... Okay. So I don't know if that's like a, a 3.75. Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. Okay. We'll take it. So yeah, lots of thoughts taking up residence in your heart. Yes, yes. Have you journaled? Um, I have not journaled. Um, that is something that I'm. I want to get back into. I just use the notepad. Yeah. On oh my no, that's good. That's it doesn't right. journal. It doesn't um, matter if it's pencil to paper. Although there is a little bit more magic that happens when you put it, pencil true, to paper. True. It's a little bit more. Um, it involves a little bit more of your body. Um, so transferring some of the, the energy of what's on your heart out of you to another source. Yeah, yeah. There's something that happens a little bit more intricately when you are actually putting pencil to paper right. than when you're just in a device. Exactly, but yeah. in a technological world, that's one of the disadvantages. But that's a whole other episode. That we and an advantage. And an advantage. It's an advantage yeah. that has... It's an advantage then a disadvantage. So yeah. maybe we'll research and talk about that. So we'll take that 3.75. It's better than a 2. It's better than a 2. Amen. It's better than a 3. Mm-hmm. I guess I could say I'm still at like a 4.5. Um, I learned yesterday in my mentorship class that um, when you have unfinished projects, that that is that it becomes a real distraction to, the, to your mental space. Mm. And there were other, she said the words a little bit better than what I just said it. And I don't think I brought my folder for me to say it the right way. I didn't bring my, oh, I did bring my folder. So let me see if I can say it the way it was said to me about, let me see if I can find it. Someone else give theirs while I'm doing that. Yeah. So for me, I'm, um. I'm good. I just really like what I said um, last week about I'm excited that I get to be because, uh, you know, I've always been like such a door, 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 door. I'm just happy that I can finally be an observer, you know, mm-hmm. that I'm just kind of like sitting on the outside or just watching. I'm doing, but I feel like I just have the space to like breathe, you know, and support mm-hmm. other people. And I just feel like that's just such a major shift for me. Um, so I'm grateful. So I'm I'm feel like I'm on cloud now. I'm like at a four point nine nine nine. Come on, four point nine nine nine. I think I pretty much said it though. It said unfinished business takes up mental space, and so uh, we're talking about creating new habits and how to hack your old habits, producing results, things like that. And one thing that keeps you from producing results is the fact that 
you have a lot of unfinished business taking up residence in your in your mental space. So that's why when I asked you about that, you know, you, if your heart yes. is full of a bunch of things, you're gonna have to empty some of that space yeah. because it'll clog your your um the canal of your creativity. Yeah. So. Um, I'm being very intentional about making of your, sure. creativity. your creativity. Yeah. Write that down, somebody. Write that down. So <laughs> I'm just trying to be very intentional because I want to. I don't want to duplicate seasons of past where I have a bunch of things that I want to do, but none of them get done. And I know that yeah. part of it has been, been because of the blockages in the clock and the things clogged because of all the unfinished things. So either I'm going to do it or I'm going to take it off of my plate. And that's Absolutely. the season I'm in. Either do it, piss or get off the pot. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, you 3.75. I'll give myself a 4.5. You at 4.999. What we got, Big Can I say I'm at a 4.0. A lot of things that I have to accomplish in a short amount of time. But it's a work in progress. And I just have to make sure that I complete all of the things I need to do. But my heart is good. Heart is good. And, and Arden Elizabeth says hello. Yeah, you might hear her in the background. It's yes, okay. She's, she's, she's here. In the studio she's today. here in the studio. I'm not adding them up and dividing them and taking averages today. It'll be okay. <laughs> okay, thank you. It'll be okay. But we are going to jump into um, the episode. I don't have a title for it yet. I'll come up with a title for it in sometime. But um, I, I wanted to ask, wanted to pose a question. I wanted to start by posing a question to us. Um, it, it, kind of in general, and think about your childhood, the communities we grew up in, the churches we grew up in. Um, the homes we grew up in, the schools we grew up in, how it felt then, how it feels now. Simple question. Has our interest in Black History Month declined in an attempt to become more inclusive? Has our interest in Black History Month declined in an attempt to become more inclusive? I say that because mm. I remember when we grew up, even in church, uh, Black, History, Black History Month was celebrated. Now, of course, large... When we grew up, most churches were still, when I say segregated, it just there means were. that blacks worshiped together, whites worshiped together, and it was a, a lot of cross Mixing. mixed over. Um, not because we didn't want to, but we worship, we worship in some instances differently, mm -hmm. right? Not a different God, but a different style. Mm -hmm. And that is absolutely okay, right? Um, so our experience, even in church, there was no real separation of church and state. Even though the law said that there was. Arden says, hello, guys. In our churches, there was no real separation of, of church and state. So when it came to um, Black History Month or any other kind of celebrations that were coming along, things that were happening in the community, they were, they were played out even in churches. Yeah. I remember growing up, Jen would remember... Um, when there was a black history program, the AME church, we would go to the AME church and we would be a part of their black history program. Yes. Like, not just sitting in the audience. We're one of the youth in there as if we're one of the children in their church. Mm. Um, that's where I learned about Kwanzaa. That's where I learned about all the, the different aspects of Kwanzaa and began to appreciate part of our history because as an AME church, that's largely ingrained in their history. Mm -hmm. So um, I asked that because now what I found both in churches and in schools um, Black History Month, sometimes it comes and goes without much to do about it, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Not, not, a, not a, you know, you might see a commercial here or there, but you don't see it largely being represented in communities. You don't see it largely being represented in some churches or in, in schools even. Not a lot, unless you have teachers who do it, but there are some schools even where it's not mentioned at all. So my question is, has our interest 
when I say our, I'm talking about the collective people, not just okay. black and brown people, but the collective people has our interest, but, but also black and brown people, has our interest in Black History Month declined in an attempt to become more inclusive. And I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that. We no longer call Black History Month celebrations, we no longer call them Black History Month celebrations. They're now called cultural, cultural festivals or, mm. you know, cultural day. Mm. Who culture? Who culture you talk about? I ask that because we, in that what that has done is stripped away the real meaning or the real reason why Black History Month started being celebrated. Right. It wasn't being celebrated because all cultures needed to be celebrated. It was being celebrated because this particular culture had been lost because of the enslavement of, of African people. And that was an attempt as a repayment of or or to give... The, that was what we did for uh, for ourselves to make sure that the people coming behind us knew something about where they came from, despite mm -hmm. the the culture they were sitting in. They would not lose fact of who they are, not what the textbooks tell them they are. So what does that do when we now have Black History Month that includes everybody's culture? And when I say everybody, I don't just mean um, Africans uh, of the diaspora, because that would be appropriate. Because African people that were enslaved Africans that came that were part of the slave trade landed in a lot of different places, mm -hmm. yeah. a lot of different islands, not just in, on the in on the coast of America. Mm -hmm. So celebrating that the the Africans of the diaspora will be appropriate. But what happens when Black History Month now becomes an all cultural celebration? I ask that because at my school that's what they've done. Mm. So everybody, whoever your culture is, oh you're you're from Ireland, wear your Irish stuff. Oh you're American. Are you Irish? I kid you not. Put on your put on your American flags on Wednesdays. You get to celebrate Cultural Day, not Black History Month. During February. During February, it is very intentional. So I, this is why I'm posing the question: What happens? Have we have we watered down? the real meaning of Black History Month in an attempt to become more inclusive. And what, what kind of what, what kind of message does that send to young people who barely know anything about their history as it is to tell them, now you share the month with everybody else's history? Okay, so first of all, I didn't know that that was a thing. Yeah, it's um, a thing. So I do know, I'm just, you know, in my spaces, in my circles, I would say, and largely, yes, I can say that we have watered it down. Yep. I can see it as a culture, not just... Um, just as in the U.S., we've watered it down. Um, but I also see that some people are making the attempt to not just make it in February, but you need to know these Black History Facts all year round. Like yes. Tom Jordan, like you need to know how these influential, you know, African-Americans have made such a major impact. Mm -hmm. But it takes people like that to make it transcend over, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying, over Black History Month. Because I do think it's important, I think, that like for my kids and for the generations to come, if you don't, like you said, if you don't make it intentional, then they're going to forget. Then they're going to forget. So like in my kids' school, you know, they had a black history project, um, but my child has an African-American teacher. She has a, a black female teacher. And she's like, what you going to do? You're going to learn these black history facts all year. Right. You might learn it right, right. now during this right. black history month. She's like, did we celebrate no other culture? When it when it's uh, Hispanic Heritage Month, we do something for Hispanic Heritage Month. When it's something month. for whatever, yeah. when it's Chinese New Year, she do something for Chinese yeah. New Year. So she makes sure. Keep but on. everyone doesn't necessarily do that because if you don't do that, then you do lose it. And I think that's where we are as society that we're losing it. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that people were doing that. That's, yeah. I mean, we only get, we only really get this month to be able to celebrate, it. and we've made such major you know accomplishments for society and its growth and 
all of those things. So that's really we unfortunate. We built this yeah. at the end of the day, and we that's a part this. of that's a part of our. Um, you're gonna have to help her not yeah. do that. So that's a part of our history that we do not know, and so that was huh. that's kind of part of what I wanted to talk about a little bit. But we're gonna move past that, you know. But I, what are you thinking about that? What are your thoughts? Have we? lost interest or have we allowed our history black history month to be watered down yes we need to know it all year round but i'm talking about february here we are i think i think part of it is because the culture not necessarily the culture but like with the the government and with everything it's like we need to include everybody with everything we have all of these different segments like where whether it's the lgbt whether that's it's not this, a race i know but but this is my total point mm -hmm. it's like we need to include everybody so because we're trying to include everybody in everything in everything it gets included it in gets, everything it gets included in everything and that's my exact point and so it's like when it comes to black history month it's like they have almost like like i think that's ridiculous that your school does that mm -hmm. like like everybody is a part of black no no it's just like <laughs> History Month, we have Irish. Don't they have a Saint Patrick's, Saint Patrick's Day? Day? Mm -hmm. That way they I know that's just a day, but you, your culture is not. They haven't been stripped of their culture. Exactly. They know they still have their family names. You can say they still I'm have Irish. Their surnames. You, I, I know I'm from such and such and so and so. Like you can, you say know what village your people thing, are from. But when we it don't. comes to Black people, we do not have that same privilege. So during that month. Let us have our month, cause you you trying to not let us have any other day of the the year, the week, like, so let us have that mm -hmm. those few weeks, the shortest month of the year. Mm -hmm. Let us let us have that. All right. And I I would agree with um, Jasmine that I think sometimes we because we try to include everyone that you don't we could do a better job because I could even say you know for my school we did a cultural festival but the thought was not that it's taking away from and because there were other activities throughout the month that we did um but you what what each group had to do was they they did have to tell about that culture so i think it's just you're trying to include everyone that but you could we could do a better job of making sure that kids know about their history mm -hmm. black history so right, that's but that. even include but do more Right. out to make sure that they learn mm -hmm. yeah. so that I just wanted to highlight that because it's a thing and I mean it's and I don't know and I know why it's there but that's why I mentioned it to begin with it's in our attempt to be inclusive of all cultures not just the diaspora but to all cultures in the room we have literally watered down the real meaning or the real reason that Black History Month had to be a thing. Mm -hmm. If if our history was being taught properly in textbooks, then it wouldn't have to be a thing. Right. If we knew where we were from, then it wouldn't have to be a thing. If if the if the truth about where we're where we who we are was being recorded in textbooks, then it might not have to be a thing. But until it is, if until the story is being told properly, then the story is going to keep being told and. I think we have to do as much as we can to keep some uh, to keep some to keep some of it is ours. Mm -hmm. Everything doesn't have to be shared. For me to say that it's Black History Month doesn't mean I'm denying you your history because right. your history is being played out in the textbooks where mine is not. Right, right. But I think when it says uh, for me when it's our history is their history too. It's a part well, of Black the, history is American, American history. history. That's what I'm saying. But that's not know. time for you to shine your your American flag because that's not a culture. That's a country. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's all. Um, that's that on that. Mm -hmm. Now I found um, there's a poet friend of mine named Ezekiel 
Azanu, who uh, on Instagram, Words <clears throat> by Ezekiel, he wrote, he had a, a Instagram post that I want to read. And it's coming from, he is Nigerian. Okay. Um, and I want to say he was raised in Nigeria, but then later moved to America. And I want to read his post because it kind of hit the nail on the head. Another another aspect of the African experience that, that I want us to kind of look at. It says here, um, I live in a unique predicament. I grew up with Nigerian parents and became familiar with culture, with a culture that was foreign to the land we were in. So I'm going to pause. That, that either means he was living in Nigeria, but familiar with America, an, another culture mm-hmm. that wasn't Nigerian, or he was in America, but being familiarized with Nigerian culture. But I believe it's the other way around. He was being, he was in Nigeria, mm-hmm. Nigerian parents, but familiar with the American culture because of the next sentence where it says, nevertheless, because nevertheless means despite that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Okay. So I live in a unique predicament. I grew up with Niger- Nigerian parents and became familiar with a, a culture that was foreign to the land we were in. Nevertheless, I was entrenched in American culture and I've experienced many of the things most young black men have experienced in this country. The advantages and disadvantages of my double black identity is clear to me. Now that struck me. Double black identity. Double black identity. He's not just, he's Nigerian, so he's African, Mm -hmm. and then the Mm African-American because there's a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, the advantages and disadvantages of my double black identity is clear to me. However, we must be clear about the difference. Africans in the diaspora know the effects of imperialism, but colonialism was a painful coat most Africans that most Africans have been privileged to remove, leaving behind deep scars in the form of gaining independence. I'm going to read that again. Mm-hmm. Africans in the diaspora know the effects of imperialism, but colonialism was a painful coat most Africans have been privileged to remove, leaving behind deep scars in the form of gaining independence. So what that was, what that felt like to me, and, and I'll just finish and we'll talk about kind of dissect it later. Despite socioeconomic constraints, we still know our last names, meaning Africans, not mm-hmm. African Americans, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Africans. We still know our last names. We know where our, we know we where our indigenous homes are. We are propelled to be because we know what we have been. Mm. But the African in America was stripped of name and history. Their coat of oppression is their hue of skin, which can never be removed. Mm. They know not their original names nor native home. Their future has been limited to fighting against their own history in hopes of becoming what they've never seen. As Native Africans, we have two responsibilities. This is good. As Native Africans, we have two responsibilities. One is to welcome and teach Africans in America who they are as brothers. Two is to respect their backs. Any African in America still standing, spine unbent by the yoke of their plight, Mm. is not simply strong, but a miracle, nonetheless, nothing less. When I tell you that thing struck me, because it, the divide between our blackness is evident in, mm. in lots of spaces. Mm-hmm. We could talk about colorism. That's one thing about that's happening in the with within the African Americans. Mm-hmm. But the the divide between the the different sects of the diaspora, where you have Africans, but then you also have African Americans, 
and they have a privilege not a white privilege but a privilege because they know who they are in a way that we never will mm -hmm. there's a part of us that will always be void of identity and what many of us have done to eliminate that void we cling to our identity in Christ which is a good thing but we do that almost to the deficit of knowing who we are as Africans mm -hmm. I'm not just a Christian I'm an African American and I don't have to deny that truth there are some there are some groups who say leaning on my culture rather than my Christianity is a is not what I'm supposed to do that really? I am that I am more because I'm we are spirit beings that I should be leaning on the identity of who I am in Christ rather than who I am as a culture that that for me to make importance of this is a is it rather than or in addition to I am both I am all I am Christian I am black I am African I'm all right. and I don't have to deny any portion of it for the comfort over the sake of any other person. I just have a one comment on a mm -hmm. question on that is are those people that are saying that are those people white that are posing no. that? No. No. Because it that feels very much No, now like that is something that is a influence. that is a very that is now that is something that is very um uh southern evangelical in nature and feel. Okay. But that that's not coming from uh, it might be influenced by but it's not coming from that. In other words, there used to be a time when the plight of black people was preached across, across platforms. Preached, not, mm -hmm. I mean, sermons. Sermons. <laughs> it was a part of their sermons. Mm -hmm. But now, um, in an attempt, again, for inclusivity and to make sure that people are comfortable in our spaces, sometimes we, we, don't, we don't include the plight of our people mm -hmm. in the messages to our people. Mm, and right, right, right. It's more... Over here, but not like dealing with the hard on issues, and that I, I I saw a lot of that when we had a lot of um like the Trayvon Martin situation mm -hmm. when we had a lot of those issues coming up. Mm -hmm. I felt like it really wasn't talked about in in the church in the church. Mm -hmm. It really wasn't talked about. No, well, I think it's a I think it's a hard place to be. It so is. I think I think at the end of the day. You know, where for me, like, where does my identity lie? My identity lies in Christ. He says who I am, what I am, you know, all of those things. But I think it's irresponsible to think that you, you are, although you are a spirit being, you sit in a position in the world. Right. And how does your, how is your body and how are all those things going to be affected in the world? Right. And mm -hmm. so you can't deny that part of you and that's what i'm who, saying because it's also part of who you it's also a part of who you are and though christians god does not see color and god does not looking at all of those those things like i just i'm just like a little slight aside i and you guys may and i know. and i don't agree with that god doesn't see color because he created us he created there are different the races right right, right. right. He no, but I'm saying that he's not treating us any differently because no, of but, the, but the but the but the but the God doesn't see color is a cop out. Is a white cop out that I don't. Yes. Well, oh, I'm it's saying a white cop out. It God allows them treating. to not take responsibility for oh, all the things that they've done. So okay. I, so I'm, I'm gonna ask you to undo that because that ain't. That's so not what? It. Well, what I was referring to was that God has created all of us and He is treating all of us equally, and the damage that was done to us was not 
through God. Oh, no, no, no. That's clear. That's clear. That's our sin nature that did that. Right. And so with all that being said, and I'll, I'll bring up the Israelites in just a second, but, or not on this episode, but, um, where was I going with that? Where was I going with that point? I don't know. You said something about, um, not having to, de- to deny my blackness yeah, because I of don't my Christianity. That, right. I think that you're sitting in two places because Christians on different sides, um, regardless of the race, so a Caucasian and an African-American, you both you believe in the same God, mm-hmm. but your experience in this body is going to be different. Yeah. So mm-hmm. don't, so not denying that, but it's also important for people to understand mm-hmm. your identity does lie in Christ, but don't deny that my body is experiencing something and different that, is that your body point. is not going to have to experience. That is the whole point. I, 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 I don't have to deny that, nor do you, nor can you force, nor, nor do right. you have the right to tell me to ignore it. Right. Because Cause I don't get to ignore it every day. No. As much as I am Christian, I am still black. And how I show up in the world matters. Mm-hmm. How I show up in the world, I don't get to deny. I don't get to walk around as just a Christian. Right. As I walk through this earth, they see me as black. They, know, they don't know I'm a Christian until, until something I have to say that. But what they do know is that I'm black and that I'm woman. Mm. And so I, I just say all that because... At some, at some point, we're going to have to reconcile how we have these conversations with people and how we allow people to have conversations with us about our blackness and our Christianity or about our blackness, period. Mm-hmm. And the whole dumbing down of, uh, of the, the, the cop-out conversations that we allow um, non-people of color, non-allies to have. Um, Rihanna had a, the speech at the NAACP mm. Awards that, if, if I'll maybe I'll link it because it was... It, it called to carpet the people who call themselves allies. If you're going to be an ally, then you have to call your people out. If it's you want to break bread with me, if you're going to break bread with me, up. then come march with me. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. P- protest with me. Not just along alongside me, but pull your, pe- pull your people's coattail. Yeah. Because it's not our responsibility to call out white people on their, on their trash. It's white people's responsibility to call out white people on their trash. Right? So, and I'm not going to make this some militant speech, but we're going to talk about our history. We have to talk about the things that affect how we, how we fit in this space that we've been given, given that we've been, I won't say given opportunity because it wasn't our choice to be here, but now that we're here, we make the best of it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I want to, uh, so your thoughts on that, on, on that, um, what are your thoughts on that post? That was what I immediately was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to share this with my student who, my student that I love, Tiffany, she's Nigerian. And she, when I tell you she's doing the dang thing, I've shared information about her before, but she's able to um, sit with that double perspective. That, mm-hmm. um, but while she is here, but we can talk about so many different things about just how being raised in that Nigerian household for her mm-hmm. propelled her like academically. So yes. it wasn't the same of being an American and being entitled. She was like, I got to work hard. Like, so she went to FSU free, like all, just all of the things. So it was, a there's a sense experience. of responsibility. Yep. Be, and, and part of it was what he said as native Africans, we have, well, he, he started saying something about, um, we are propelled to be because we know what we have been. Mm-hmm. People that are, whose bodies have been on the soil who know what they're connected to, they have a responsibility to be and to show up and to become in a way that we don't because they know they know the difference between where they are now and what they have been, but they know what they were. They mm-hmm. know the power that they came from. They know their origin was not enslaved. Mm-hmm. They know they came from kings and queens. And when I ask my students here, where do you where did you where do you first see yourselves in textbooks? And they say in slavery. But I say, but do you know that's not your origin? That's right. not where you originated. 
So that, I think that tweet was, that, um, not tweet he did on Instagram, that post was most important. And I, I wanted think, to share it. But I also think that's why also with Christianity, it, when you rely on your identity, you're also saying that because God says that that's who you are also. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? That you are, you know, that you are a king and queen, that you are, yes. you know, in him, you are his children, you are all of those things. But not just a mm -hmm. metaphorical king and queen, right. actual. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're right, but that's what, I'm, and I was, I was saying, what I was saying exactly what you were saying, mm -hmm. that it's both of those things. So mm -hmm. you are that in spirit, in God, and in truth, but you're also, your ancestors from where he placed you are mm -hmm. also that as well. I think mm -hmm. we're, we're strong when we're able to embrace the, the duality of those yeah. things, right? Yeah. When we're able to embrace the duality of things, there's strength in that. I want to read, um, I want to read a poem by one of my favorite poets, because, you know, I had to throw some poetry in there, right? Uh, who do y'all think my favorite poet Langston is? Hughes. Langston yeah. <laughs> um, this short poem, it says, I Too, by Langston Hughes. I too sing America. I am the darker brother. They send me to eat in the kitchen when company comes, but I laugh and eat well and grow strong. Tomorrow, I'll be at the table when company comes. Nobody, nobody will dare say to me, eat in the kitchen then. Besides, they'll see how beautiful I am and be ashamed. I too am America. Mm. Mm -hmm. I too am America. Now, who, um, Arden is having fun, guys. Yeah. I wanted to uh, include in this segment, and we're going to tie it up here in a moment. I'll just do one, two black facts. Okay. Okay. This first um, little known black history fact um, is about someone named Claudette Colvin. Before there was a Rosa Parks, there was Claudette Colvin. How many of y'all have heard of her? I have not. No? Okay, so most people think of Rosa Parks as the first person to refuse to give up their seat on the bus in Montgomery, Alabama. But did you know that nine months prior to that, a teenage girl actually did that? Wow. Okay. Um, there, was, there were actually several women, women mm -hmm. who came before her, one of whom was Claudette Colvin. It was March 2nd, 1955, when the 15-year-old schoolgirl refused to move to the back of the bus nine months before Rosa Parks' Parks's stand that launched the Montgomery bus boycott. Claudette had been stu studying black leaders like Harriet Tubman in her segregated school. Those con conversations had led to discussions around the current day Jim Crow laws that were um that were all they were all experiencing so when the bus driver ordered claudette coven to get up it felt like soldier and the truth was on one side pushing me down and harriet tubman was on the other side pushing me down and mm. she said she couldn't get up mm. now they ask why did they use rosa parks, rosa parks instead of claudette Col coven and what it boiled down to is that they felt like Rosa Parks would be a better representation mm -hmm. of the movement I, because she represented the middle class, middle class black America. Well, mm -hmm. Claudette Colvin was a teenager. Mm -hmm. You cannot deny the fact that Rosa Parks was also a, such a fair skinned yeah, woman that she could have passed. Right. And Claudette Colvin was darker skin. Mm -hmm. I was, that's, that's about to say. Yeah. So she represented what our people would have accepted. Not just our people, but that the movement mm -hmm. would, would deem more acceptable. Uh -huh. Right? But and Rosa so Parks represented what the white people Everybody was would. deemed acceptable. Gotcha. She was, I guess, maybe a less... And because she was a part of the... Uh, she was a part of the NAACP or worked... Um, she was the secretary of the NAACP. So it was because Rosa Parks made a better icon for the movement than a teenager. Mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm. Little wow. on black history fact, exactly, about but, Claudette Colvin. But I think that over time, 
maybe originally they might have talked about there were several women before, but yeah, over yeah, time yeah. you kind of lose all of the, the other, other women, women before. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm certain that there were other people that were doing it before Rosa Parks. I'm sure that she wasn't the, you know, the first person. Obviously, now we know that. But, you know, it just made me think, like, I wonder if as you tell a story, you know, you lose parts of the story. Like, maybe originally when they were telling the story, they said that there were multiple women before, but now... No, know. them selecting Rosa was intentional. Was, was, mm-hmm. No, 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 no. We're not gonna. No, it was no, intentional. I'm, I was trying to. Help. I know you. That's yeah. the role you play. You, you know, smooth it. No, I put the truth right in your face. <laughs> it was intentional. That was very intentional. So that's one. Mm-hmm. I brought a little known black history facts about okay. Claudette Colvin. So go study Claudette Colvin. She did. That wasn't the only. That wasn't the only thing that she did though. She mm-hmm. was a part of the movement as a teenager, and in large part, a lot of the movement. Even uh, for segregation, a lot of it, or desegregation, a lot of it was done by teenagers, right? Not just middle-class um, blacks. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about, um, for the sake of time... Well, you, have, you can take that part out. Another thing that I want to talk about was the uh, Black Wall Street. How many of you have heard of that? Definitely heard of that. Um, now, <laughs> hey, hey, Paul, hey, Paul. She said, I heard of Black Wall Street, too. You heard of Black Wall Street, too? So, back in um, 1921, there was what is called um, the Tulsa Race War. Yes. um, Where mobs of white residents attacked black residents and businesses of the Greenwood District in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They destroyed hundreds, um, 6,000 black residents were, were, um... More, more than 800 people were admitted to hospitals and as many as 6,000 black residents were interned at large facilities. In other words, they literally bombed the city. Now, yeah. what was important about that is that the city was the only, it was the wealthiest black community in the United States. Yeah. The wealthiest. Yeah. It was 35 square blocks of, of business districts. There were doctors, lawyers, supermarkets, every kind of business you could name completely black owned city 35 more than 35 blocks of land and they did a airstrike mm-hmm. and bombed it and but it started on memorial day two days before mm-hmm. where a black shoe shiner was in a went into a, a elevator and a white girl was there they knew each other and the the, the people st- thought they heard the white girl screaming and saw the black boy running out of the elevator and they thought that he w- had attacked her or something mm-hmm. so it all started over that ran over into the trials and angry mobs and they literally bombed 35 square blocks of the district, destroyed the entire town. It is considered that the, the, the um, Tulsa race war is called, has been called the single worst incident of racial violence in American history. Mm-hmm. But, why, right. but why do, why don't textbooks have this in it? Mm. Because they don't. Be, I, I because it's gonna be like you got a question. Who dropped those bombs? Because, no, they, no, no, but they know who. They have to own it. Right. They would have to own that. They would have to own it. They would have to own the fact that they took away some people that were really thriving. Mm-hmm. They took away some, like the whole town was thriving. And if that was the one case with that one situation, you allowed that to permeate. You know what I'm saying? The whole that that was crazy. Okay. Yeah, and I think what as insult to injury that even though this happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma, it wasn't until February of 2020 that the Oklahoma Education Department announced that it would make the massacre an official part of the curriculum. And what, wow. when did it happen? This happened in 1921, hmm. February of 2020. That's this year. 
I was like, wait. Yeah, February of 2020, the Oklahoma Education so Department just, announced. So prior to this, prior to this, ignored. it was not in the history books in the, in Oklahoma, the place where it actually years? happened. Okay, so beginning in the fall of this year, they're going to start teaching about That's Black crazy. Wall Street and the, the massacre. And you, and you know what? Another reason is probably because, um, did y'all see, uh, y'all probably did. Um, did y'all see, um, what is it called? Now I can't think of it. The Watchmen? Watchmen? Mm-hmm. I haven't watched With it yet, Judy but I'm going King? to. I'm going to. I mean, they talk about it. Ah. They t- that, it's, it's Watchmen's a movie, right? It no, is. It is, but show. they made a show out of okay. it. Okay. In the show, in the series itself, they are talking about everything about Black Wall Street, about the massacre. Like, it was based in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they literally talk about it. How years later, when Regina King is there, like, her grandfather was a part of it. He was a child when it happened. Mm. And so she is now, like, they have to go to descendants of that. She's descendants of it, and they have to literally go to this. They have, like, a whole center where you can go and see your ancestors who were a part of it. Like that's how they have mm-hmm. it set up in the in the show, but I need to watch that. You should you should watch it. It's only they're literally only made one season, and that's all they're gonna make. The writer stepped down from it because he was like, "I'm not gonna try to draw this out longer mm-hmm. than it needs to be." This was what good. it was. This is what was necessary. This is what and that's was necessary. It. I'm gonna watch that. that. Mm-hmm. Um, so y'all should definitely watch it's on it. Netflix. No, it's on uh, Hulu. It might be on Hulu, but I know it's on um, Amazon. Amazon Prime. Yeah. So, but I'm going to link the information. I actually have a video, a longer YouTube video about the information about um, Black Wall Street that we will attach information about that in the show notes as well. I'm just giving snippets of it. I yeah. want us to go back and do our homework. Go back and read about Claudette Colvin. Go back and read about some of these unsung heroes. Go back and read about people that were instrumental in the movement. Go back and read about some things that happened on American soil. Mm-hmm. History that we, be, that we are denied. Not because it's not there, but because the truth of it isn't being told, right? Mm-hmm. right. But I want to step back and, and, and we're going to end this on a, a more, on a lighter note. Not that that was heavy. It was... It, it, I hope it was informational. No, it definitely was. But I want to end with some poetry because that's a part of who I am as well. Now, if you can think of one of the one of the blackest, I mean, blackity black black blackest things you can think of, what's the one thing that's just black and it's us and it ain't nobody else? Can't think of it. What? Spades. <laughs> <laughs> Spades. Now I'm serious. We are inducted into 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 blackness. Especially in college, I was like, at this, I went to Florida A&M University, strike, strike, strike again, right? Um, but one of the first things that happens when you are on that campus, any party that you go to, house parties and things of that nature, everybody's playing spades. And if you don't know how to play, you're left out of a lot of the social stuff because that's just, you know, a part of it. And it's not a lot of, I can't say a lot, but, but that's one of the blackest things around that has not been gentrified. <laughs> Okay, that's something that's still ours, right? So I have this poem that I want to end, and the poem says, We should make a, document, a documentary about space. That's the name of the poem. <laughs> we should make a documentary about space. Okay, and um, I'm going to leave this in the show notes as well. So it says here, And here's all we'll need, a card deck quartets of sun people, of the sort found in black college dormitories, some vintage music, indiscriminate spirits, fried chicken, some paper. A writing utensil and a bottomless Saturday. We should explore the origins of a derogatory word like spade as well as the word for feeling alone in polite company. And also the implications of calling someone who is not your brother or sister, brother or sister. 
So little is known of our past, we can imagine damn near anything. When I say maybe slaves held spades, tournaments on the anti-cruise ships bound to the colonies, you say when our ancestors were cooped on those ships, they were not yet slaves. Our groundbreaking film should begin with a low-lit den in the deep south and the deep-fried voice of somebody's grandmother holding smoke in her mouth as she says, the two diamonds trump the two spades in my house. And at some point, someone should tell the story where Jesus and the devil are spades partners traveling the juke joints of the 1930s. We would interview, we could interview my uncle Junior and definitely your skinny cousin Mary and any black man sitting at a card table wearing shades. Who do you suppose would win if Booker T and MLK were matched against Dubois and Malcolm X in a game of spades? <laughs> You say don't talk across the table. Pay attention to the suits being played. The object of the game is to communicate invisibly with your teammate. I should concentrate. Do you suppose we are here because we are lonely in some act, some acute diasporified way? This should be explored in our film called Spades because it is one of the ways I am still learning what is to be what it is to be black. Tonight I am ready to master Spades. Four players bid a number of books. Each team adds the books of the two play two partners, and the total is the number of books that team must try to win. Is that not right? This is a game that tests the boundaries between mathematics and magic, if you ask me. A bid must be intuitive like the itchiness of, of the a bid must be intuitive like the itchiness of your upper lip because you sip strange whiskey. My mother did not drink, which is how I knew something was wrong with her. But she held a dry spot on the table when couples came to play. It's a scene from my history, but this probably should not be mentioned in our documentary about spades. Renig is akin to the word for the shame you feel when watching someone else's humiliation. Slapping a card down must be as dramatic as hitting the face of a drum with your palm, not hitting the face of a drum with a drumstick. You say there may be, you say there may be the sort of outrage induced by liquor, trash talk, and poor strategy, but it will fade the way a watermark left on a water on a table by a cold glass fades. I suspect winning this sort of game makes you feel godly. I'm good and ready for whoever we're playing against tonight. I'm trying to imagine our enemy. I know you are not my enemy. You say there are no enemies in spades. Spades is a game our enemies do not play. Mm. Ooh. Mm. Something right. <laughs> yes, I hope y'all enjoyed that right there. Who wrote that? I don't know. I, I, I found her name. <laughs> I found good. her. That oh, that was good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this has been another episode of the Sisters Collective. I hope you enjoyed our... You enjoyed, enjoyed my take on our Black History moment and, and uh, find it fitting to do some research, research of your own and um, don't let anything be hidden in textbooks from you. Go, go research and find out who you are so that you'll know where you're going. That's right. Amen, amen. All right, y'all. See y'all next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Sisters Collective. Tune in next week for another family meeting. Be sure to rate, comment, subscribe, and follow us at the Sisters Collective on all social media platforms.